You're Going to Die, the podcast is brought to you by YG2D, a 501c3 nonprofit bringing diverse communities creatively into the conversation of death and dying, inspiring life by unabashedly sourcing our shared mortality. To find out more, visit www.yg2d.com. You're about to listen to audio capturing the exact moment where two human beings fall in love for the first time. While they simultaneously experience the sensation of already having been friends for billions of years. This episode does not need much of an intro. The conversation itself is worth getting to as soon as possible. So let's just cut to the chase. Welcome to You're Going to Die, the podcast, your creatively conscious mortality podcast. My name is Ned, your host. This episode's guest, oh my goodness. First of all, I knew about the Bengsons. I've known about their music for a while. In fact, I tried to book them for a concert we were putting together. It didn't work out because they were working on a show in New York at the time. Jump to many, many months later, a dear, dear friend of mine sends me an episode of the podcast called The Best Advice Show. And Abigail Bengson is on that show. And the title of that episode, which I highly recommend, is called Let Your Voice Break. That was pretty much all it took for me to relentlessly do whatever I could to get Abigail on the show. And I'm so glad I trusted my guts so that when we finally connected, she could trust her guts and say yes, and we could share one of my most memorable conversations I've had on the podcast to date. Abigail Bengson is one half of the composing, performing, grief-working, and dumb joke-writing, award-winning duo, The Bengsons, with her beloved husband, Sean Bengson. She is a mother who has moved through loss and abundance, who has an ecstatic relationship to song, and a grief-stricken love of the world. Oh, my goodness. I've never put it this way. I know you're going to enjoy this episode of You're Going to Die, the podcast, with Abigail Bengson. I don't know what's happening. I'm just uh, just weeping when yeah. I look at your face. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, my gosh. Like, what? <laughs> I just, it's like, all this is going to be is us just like a 45 minutes of us crying and laughing, I- alternating. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my gosh wow mm. honey okay mm-hmm. well that's what's happening yeah all right hello hi um so you know like this isn't a podcast where i suddenly say like hey everybody so uh, <laughs> it's me Ned. i'm here with that you know like we're just gonna pretty much do what we already started doing um and and so it can be uh, <laughs> a conversation, you know, like we need. 
and that we treat this time in a way like if we, you know, die in a couple hours, we would have had something that meant a lot to us to share. And, and if we get what we need in that way, then I'm sure the listener will get what they need, you know? Yeah. And I, and I, often want to start the conversation for these shows with like, how, how are you? Maybe you can speak to what it's feeling like being here and what's coming up for you already and what your heart's really bringing into this conversation. Cause I, and I know there's plenty uh, probably that you could say it carries, but I do want to start with that version of a really genuine, like, how are you doing and how are you here? You know, question. Wow. Well, I'm feeling, whoo, I feel like big things moving through us and between us right away, which is really deep and good. And Mm -hmm. I feel like this relief, I feel like when I know that I can be, I feel like with you, I get to be in the truth, which Mm -hmm. is that. This is all so precious and all almost over, mm-hmm. you know, every mm-hmm. minute. Yeah. And, um, and somehow almost over and just begun and infinite <laughs> yeah, and, totally. and unfolding and, 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 uh, and it's so sad and it's so beautiful. And I feel so grateful that you're, meeting me with all of that just already it feels like in in the room with us you know like that um that um that it's a huge pain and i'm that i'm so grateful for and i'm and an eternity that's so quick. <laughs> so I'm feeling all of that together, you know, and, um, and I'm just personally to today, I'm tender, you know, I'm tender and I feel, I've been feeling, this is weird maybe, but approaching. <laughs> I mean, I think this Not like point, anything else all I've bets said. Are off. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> but I've been feeling mm. as as I came closer to talking with you, I've been feeling like my dead mm-hmm. like coming around. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like just like, oh remember me? Yeah. Remember remember what we were like together? Remember me? And that's my recent dead and my beloveds and like some old ones. And mm-hmm. that's not something I'm used to. Yeah. And um, so that's a really surprising. I'm surprised to hear that, that you're not used to that. I'm listening to your music. I mean, genuinely, I've hung out with you for four hours already this morning. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Just like first thing I put on, you know, getting the kids ready and out the door was was y'all's music and watching some videos, you know, that you posted online. The one worth mentioning is the Mother's Day video that you posted in 2021, I think, Uh, um, if you remember, but Mm -hmm. just crying and listening to the just, God, I keep thinking like ravenous is the word, but just like explosive Mm -hmm. aliveness of your music and your singing. And, and I 
I was listening to all these songs thinking like, is every time there's a lyric or you introducing or Sean introducing a song somehow like, so this is a song about uh, that I wrote for Sean to sing after he dies or this is, you know what I mean? Like endlessly. And so when you say, I'm not used to having my dead gather up around me, I'm feeling like most of what you do that's happening, but you're feeling like it's unique today to have that occurrence or that maybe it's different a little bit. What do you, what do you think? It's like, yeah. Well, I mean, Sean and I, so, okay. So the truth. So when I, um, was 15 years old, my family just broke apart in this, in some really catastrophic ways. Mm. And that included death. It included violence. It included uh, just a lot. And at that time I had a dream. <laughs> I had this dream that, um, the love of my life was going to find me and that when I fell in love with him, he would die. And I carried this prophecy with me, this experience of this dream that gave me enormous comfort mm. and also enormous fear. And then when I met Sean, you know, we met, we got married three weeks later. Like I met him oh and I gosh. was, and we were like, I was like, this is it. And he sort of enacted, you know, he was like, he was the dude from the dream, yeah. which is so weird, but that's mm-hmm. what happened. Clear as day. Yeah. It was clear as day. And, um, and the best thing, the best thing that's ever happened for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I was so afraid of this other half of the prophecy that he would die. And Sean and I, um, I didn't tell him. I didn't tell him that. Yeah. <laughs> I, right you know, away. First meeting. That was like a lot, you know. <laughs> want to go out, want to get married. You're going to die. You're too, if you say this, way. You, I might kill you. <laughs> but that's how I felt. Oh. And, um. But we started right away, we just started to write music together. And I think the current of our love held within it this understanding that this could be brief. Mm -hmm. It was like the timer started on my life Mm. and um, the stakes for living felt different. And, um, And I became both more afraid and more liberated. Mm-hmm. Like I was more afraid because everything mattered. Mm-hmm. And I was also more liberated because I had to fucking move through all of that fear to try to love him well. And of course, what that really also meant was to love myself, to love the world, to love my ancestry, to love my unborn, to love, to love, to love. So now he's, you know, we've been married 15 years. He's alive. Yeah. I'm alive. Yeah. But I think what that dream was telling me was the truth mm-hmm. that everyone I love, that everyone who loves me, we're all going to lose each other. We're going to lose each other in this delicious form, you know, that knows he has will go. And I'm so sad, you know, and, and my weird back that goes out all the time, that will go. And, and I'm sad, you know, cause mm-hmm. look how hard it's working to carry me all these years, you <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. all that will go. And the particular ways that he loves the world, the particular personality, mm. 
I will lose all of that Mm -hmm. too soon, no matter when. But I also know, I know that there is another landscape, that there is another, oh goodness, that there's a love beyond love, that there's a horizon beyond the horizon. And I don't, for me, I don't believe in heaven. I, I, that's not what I mean. I mean that, that, um, that the wondrous truth that this moment exists feels like enough evidence that love continues. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if we end totally, which just doesn't feel true. Yeah. If we do. It was still pretty fucking great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. This was still worth it to <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. Oh, um, what's ahead or what's not doesn't yeah. change, you know, this. And, and I think part of what you're acknowledging is that this does end. You know, I mean, it really does hold that. The, the, the risk with at least the relationship I have with heaven through religion in my past is that it's just this like, new room to go into with us all kind of in the same noses and back problems, you know? And, and I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't relate to that. Um, but what I I know, I, I've started to really feel like heaven, the heaven that's been described to me is like this ableist fantasy that it's because it's like, you go there and like your yeah. peak fitness. Oh yeah. Oh my gosh. I've never. <laughs> like you, you know what I mean? Yeah, you're like right. You so the wrong and, things will be gone. You know, like right, all the bad right. things. Like, oh, that you're about? right. You're right. Like we'll go to heaven and, and you won't need be that fixed. wheelchair anymore. I'm like, what? You know? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> or, that's really or good. whatever. Like I think that if heaven means that all... <laughs> I don't know what that would mean, but I think that it is not loving for all of who we are. Mm-hmm. So that paradigm early on, I think I felt uh, betrayed by it. You yeah. know, I felt like, oh, it's it's more evidence that this this system doesn't love me as I am. That's right. You know, or love those I love. Yeah. So that I've had to kind of, you know kick out the door yeah. and, and find a new way. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I won't go on and on about this because I think we understand each other, but the way I've been conscious with you're going to die and the spaces we hold, not denying someone the chance to say if they need to, like an open mic that their mom's in heaven and they're just crying in gratitude Absolutely. because they know she's there and they'll be with her someday. Like, I'm not going to take that away from anybody. You know, and it was important for me to have it during part of my life. Absolutely. And I think it dismisses what we have a little to count count on that as the, well, then, you know, like if we're going to be in heaven, like death isn't really real. Like we don't, we're not going to lose yeah, we this, don't even you know, have, like what's not, what are we worried about? It's more denial. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's a <laughs> version you know of what, denial. <laughs> I think that heaven, I'm saying this to you. I think heaven is real, but I think it's a practice. Mm. Yeah. Not a place. Yeah. 
you know, I think it's, um, you mean accessible here? Yeah, I think I do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do. I think it's something we make together in a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, when we hold the truth with love together and that can be an ecstatic experience and yeah. that's a little heaven. We're making a little heaven, You're right. you know, yeah. right now. <laughs> we are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I think that's what I feel. Yeah. And I agree with you that if heaven is a way to um, dismiss grief, oh, what a disservice to all of our beautiful, deep souls that mm-hmm. live on grief. I mean, it's yeah. what, what are we? We're, we're made of it. Mm-hmm. We're made of, of, grief and joy in this dance together. I think Mm -hmm. that's the substance of our beings. Mm -hmm. So to say, actually, I'm deleting this whole section of me, um, it just will never be true. Mm -hmm. So you'll always have to live with this um, confusion about why you don't, aren't able to live in a perpetual state of okayness. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And if you need heaven to get through the day, Go for it. Yeah. That's what I, seriously, (laughs) these days are long, you know, these days are hard. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And I think any heaven you want, I mean, I have this thing where I, not every day, but a lot of days I make up a new God for myself. Great. Tell me. Like I'll be like, <laughs> Tell oh me gosh, more. here we are. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll be like, what God would feel good? I'll be like, oh, a baby. Oh yeah. I'll, I'll think of a baby that's always fat and happy. And uh-huh. I'll just think about that. And that'll be the mother God of my choosing today. And then how and will then you, the next- how will, well, before you go to the next day, how will that <laughs> big baby um, be with you in a day. Like you'll name that at the beginning of the day or suddenly it'll dawn on you. And then is it a touchstone for how you're in the day? Or is it just like a prayer in the morning? You're like, this it's is, like, this is God. It's like, it's like I, okay. So, and this is not every day because I have a 14 month old and a six year old and like, and I have an iPhone you know, that's like really cool. Yeah. You have other gods. You have gods already. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So I just want to be honest God. that it's not every day, but, but when I need a God, which is a lot of days, mm-hmm. I found out for myself that if I kept picturing the same thing, it would become, it would die. If it didn't change, it died. Mm. So, and so I would just be like trying to recreate this feeling of connection I had for something that had, had actually shapeshifted mm-hmm. or had moved in another way. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of how we still have to love our loved ones when they've shapeshifted, when they've moved through death. You know, if I'm still tr- looking for a body, I'm not going to find it. Yeah. How will you find them so, in this new form? Yeah. That's right. So I sort of opened that invitation to my idea of whatever God might be. Mm-hmm. And said, what are you, what is the God I need today or could love me today that, and this something will come. And then usually I say, what do you, what do I need to know? Or like, what do I need to hear? What, what might help? Mm -hmm. And, um, and then they'll, they'll give me something. (laughs) They'll give me a little something and I might write it down or I might just feel good for a minute. And maybe I forget. 15 minutes later 
Or maybe I have a hard moment and it comes back. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a practice, mm-hmm. a trying. Yeah. Um, yeah, the mm-hmm. God, the God, the God of the day. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Um, I want to just quickly just acknowledge more of what I'm feeling about getting to talk to you. Like it reminds me of some of the conversations I've had, like I'm sure, you know, Sophie Strand and um, just the, you know, I back then, which is just like a ridiculous way to put it. It feels like when I was talking with her, I was regularly talking about feeling like I was on cocaine. I was just like, Whoa, I'm just here. I'm just like, so, and it's just like such a gross way to, but it also works, you know, it it describes like how intensely energized and right. Um, but, but it's, it's the experience is clean and it's vibrant. And, um, when I say ravenous, it, it's the word I go to because it feels like I'm just so eager to get as much out of this time with someone who is maybe also relating to the moment in that way too. Uh, And, and simultaneously already the amount of satisfaction that I, that I could feel simultaneously how enough it's already been to just get to (laughs) be with you. You know, it's so wild uh, to feel all that. And it connects to the joy and grief and the, what you, what you dreamed to get Sean. Um, (laughs) and I want to go back to that real briefly Yeah, because I feel like when I met Sarah, my wife, I wasn't present yet to her dying. And it feels like then to me hearing you say that is a way that you're naturally in the world or maybe started being in the world 15 years ago, maybe earlier than that, where your relationship with Sean, it doesn't have to be a he'll die young kind of thing or die a month after I meet him. It is what you said, which is like the eternity and the blink of an eye and the same thing. Like it's just, he will. And you feeling the love and knowing him coming and feeling that you would be together meant immediately to the losing of him and that we could live in life holding both those simultaneously with such clear perspective, you know, about what matters. There's just like no way not to be clear about what matters if you're holding that at the same time. And how hard it is to hold it both at the same time, by the way. It's terrible. It's terrible and delicious. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like when you were saying that, I just felt joy rise up in me because, um, my God, I get to love him. You know, I get to love him. I have the privilege of loving him. I, I get to feel loved in this life. And, and boy, I've been hurt, man. I've been hurt badly and too young. Mm-hmm. And I get to love somebody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I feel, feel so extraordinarily <laughs> joyful yeah. and lucky and, and, and like, I want to shout, like I want to, mm-hmm. and this is why maybe I'm a singer because mm-hmm. I can't bear it. I can't b- bear the beauty of it that against all odds, I'm in love and not just with him. Mm-hmm. I'm in love with the whole world. Mm-hmm. I get to do that. I get to love and love and love. And, and that's what it means for me to be alive now. 
I get to do that and it sucks and it hurts and it's ornery and it's itchy and it's, it's all that too. It's terrible. It's a devastation to love all that will die. But what an honor. Mm. What an honor mm. to sit next to life knowing its brevity. What an honor. So I feel what I have to always work on for myself is just is, is the feeling of emergency because <laughs> I feel so much urgency towards life. It's like maybe it has to do with this ravenousness that you feel, you know, I am learning how to rest and learning how this awe I feel can also be felt in stillness, must be felt in stillness, must be felt. And this is something, oh, I'm really going now. Whew. Yeah. But this is something I feel. Loving it all. So, so deeply with those in my life who I have been near while they were dying. This, uh, this profo- profundity of surrender that I think my closest experience of it has been through the experience of awe. I feel like awe for me is like practice mm-hmm. for dying because oh, yeah. it makes me go, oh, it's so much bigger than me. It's so much smaller than me. And if I think it, I end and begin in my own skin, ha, <laughs> look again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So awe has been uh, what I turn to over and over again when it's hard, when it's really hard. I go, look, but wow. <laughs> wow. Even my own pain. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Just uh, curiosity is not good enough. Awe is the word, but there is some kind of like... you know, just fascinated by it all. Just, just, and, and really I do mean this when I keep talking about getting to have an exchange with you being what I say a lot at the shows and and in our events and and some of our, you know, spaces facilitating grief and talking about death and really acknowledging if we are bound and connected to these truths that we're speaking to so readily here, there is likely a, constant crying and laughing hysterically because (laughs) like a moment I had this weekend with my family, we took a little like sort of local trip here in the Bay area to be together. And it was beautiful. Just so sweet to be with them. And, and I'm just like in ways we might relate, just seeing it all go away at the same time as I'm getting to like relish it. And I had this moment alone walking uh, by some grass kind of on a hillside and just being struck. And it's rare I would feel this way, but just struck and in awe of how ridiculous that patch of grass is, you know, (laughs) and how easy and maybe even needed in our culture, let's say. I want to be careful not to, I want to both say it's understandable and that there's things we're living in the context of that that's just don't make room for us to be in awe. Um, yes. And so oh, yeah. really feeling right. that descriptor there 
to like looking around wide eyed. Can we just keep connected to that option, you know, of relating to reality? Um, and well, you like do. you said, the devastation too, not just the beauty. Oh, oh yeah, honey. Yeah. Um, I mean, our, our, I don't know, man. I think awe is so available to us, but it is the enemy of commerce for sure. <laughs> you know? I mean, grief too. Yeah, absolutely. And I've never thought about that. You saying awe too, you know, is an yeah. enemy of like commerce, capitalism in a way, pure, yes. unadulterated, yeah. just because you don't need an awe. You don't no. need to buy. No. You might want to consume, no. but you don't want to consume. For, okay. This speaking for myself, you know, like when I'm in awe, I'm not inclined to buy stuff or buy a thing. Um, what I want is more of like what we're sharing here. You know, this, like, this is what I want. That's why I feel what I'm feeling talking to you is because I'm in actively in awe and feeling my grief. And this is enough, you know, this is enough, baby. Yeah. You know, one time I was um, traveling, um, uh, we were traveling in South Africa years ago and we were just driving down a regular road and there were um, little black dots off in the distance and we thought maybe they were moving. So we stopped the car and they started to come towards us. Um, and we just realized they looked like first I thought they were gods and then I thought they were dinosaurs. And then I realized they were ostriches. <laughs> and <laughs> so they were like God, gods and dinosaurs. And, um, mm. and Sean was like, Oh, cool. You know? And, was, you know, amazed at their beauty. And I started to walk towards them and they started, they were, they like glide, they would sort of glide. And I realized they were gliding fast and Sean started to say, okay, okay. And I was like, what, what? And he's like, you should, honey, it's, you got to get in the car. You got to get in the car. But my overwhelming <laughs> sensation in that moment was they should eat me mm. <laughs> was they should eat me. Mm. And, and that would be all right. Mm -hmm. I felt <laughs> maybe cuckoo. Okay. But no. I felt this feeling like their divinity was so clear that just being in proximity to them made me want to dissolve. Mm -hmm. It made me want my body to become their body. It made me feel like, death like that would be a joyful thing that that could be something I could celebrate and I would become ostrich feather and ostrich turd <laughs> and that would be great yeah. and I would live then with as the sun reflecting off the back of this holy animal that had desired me mm -hmm. for lunch yeah you know <laughs> to be consumed yeah to be consumed by that which is Beautiful. And you say that you say dissolve to, to build things that are dissolved, to be in moments where you're able to dissolve. Yeah. Like yourself. Yeah, yes. Cause that, that, I mean, I, I, people are going to be like, dude, these two are tripping. These motherfuckers are tripping. <laughs> I'll be like, okay, I'm sorry. Wouldn't it's hard to give you time. what it feels like. Right. But like <laughs> this, this to talk about the moment that we're, we immediately dropped in with, there is a feeling of like, 
all the stuff dropping away, you know, that might be like stressful or distracting or, you know, and it is a version of the enough, but there is like to the dissolving into like you and your presence of being the way you're attend attention and tending to being here, you know, like yeah. it is a version of like consuming, you know, me and yeah. that feels like, yummy and, 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 and needed, you know, and a relief. You said relief, I think at the beginning. Yeah. Right. It's a feast. Mm -hmm. It feels, I mean, oh man, I feel so much about this, about this idea of building things that fall apart Mm -hmm. and on purpose. And there's a lot of traditions of that. Like I'm a Jewish pagan witch. I don't know what I am, but I come from a a few different bloodlines. Mm -hmm. And one of them is Judaism. And I care about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in that tradition, we build sukkahs, you know, which are beautiful earth made huts in which to feast and celebrate that are built to be taken apart and must be rebuilt again and again in community. And I think and there was this rabbi whose name I don't remember who proposed. I don't, I can't believe I don't remember their name, but I don't. Um, <laughs> when the Twin Towers fell and they were sort of gathering proposals about what, what will we make? And of course, um, well, they chose what they chose, but their proposal, this rabbi's proposal was to make a sukkah because we would have to always be remembering and remaking it. And it would have to always be dissolving into the earth and re um, and re adorned with abundance over and over and over again. And I like that idea very much. And it feels like, it feels like another way to practice for dying to see how carefully and lovingly we can make something that also has to end that also has to go back into the earth and that maybe we are, that our work can be to make of ourselves a feast for the earth. So when we go, we're planted like a seed, you know, and grow something spectacular across time. That's how I feel. And I think we can practice that in music. I think music is a way to touch, um, that which sparks up and lives only for a moment. It's a way to touch grief. It's a way to look at the truth in a way that makes us want to live instead of a way that makes us um, feel too afraid to go on, you know? And the reality is that Sean and I are spending our whole lives, our whole lives making things that are meant to disappear. That's what we do. We make an hour with somebody. We make an hour in a room playing songs. And no matter how hard we work to make that hour beautiful, it will never, ever happen Mm -hmm. again. It's over. It's over. Sorry to bust in on this conversation here, but this is podcast producer Nick Jaina. And I just have to because uh, the man told me that I have to do it. And by the man, I mean Ned Buskirk, the host. He said, could you 
uh, record the mid-show thingy this week, Nick? And I said, sure. I'll just dip in here and talk over the music and say, you're going to die is a 5013C. I always forget if it's 3C or C3. I should probably look that up. It is a nonprofit organization. We do more than just this podcast. We do other episodes of this podcast, but we also go into prisons and host open mics and chances for people to connect and express themselves. We host open mics in uh, venues in the Bay Area and other places. We do hospice work. Sometimes we have online open mics. We have writing workshops online. We've got (laughs) t-shirts. We've got hankies. Now, this is a thing that Ned would never say, so I feel like I have the opportunity to say this here. It all starts with Ned. It all emanates from Ned, his heart and his brain. He began this organization like 13 years ago or so, and it's grown to be just a wonderful beacon uh, for people all over the world, not to mention this lovely podcast and conversations like this. So if you want to know more about the organization, you should check it out, yg2d.com. See when a show's coming up, make a donation. <laughs> That's short for donation. Or, you know, if you're short on resources, you can always rate the podcast, leave a review, tell a friend about it. Helps us so much. Back to this beautiful music that I made, and then back to the conversation. Sean and I and and many other musicians, many other artists are already kind of walking in a line around what art and ritual mean together and how to, um, I never say I'm making a ritual because also we're, because I think that uh, has a certain set of ideas around it, um, especially for all my beloveds and myself who are church traumatized Mm -hmm. that there can have this feeling of, Oh, that means it's not for me. Or that means that I, I won't be accepted. It means I can't burp and I can't laugh and I can't, you know, it means, um, it, it feels like can feel like a word that imposes something rather than liberates something. Mm -hmm. So I like saying, well, we're going to do a, a, I don't know. We're going to do a concert and tell a bunch of jokes. You know, yeah. we're going to try to be honest about how we are tonight. We're going to, mm-hmm. we're going to assume that every single person who comes into the room is going through something terrible because they are, you know, or just yeah. did or is about to uh-huh. and meet, try to meet their souls there with my own vulnerability. Right. Not that they have to take care of me, but to say, I, also um, have been broken by the beauty and the horror of this world, sometimes in the same moment. Mm-hmm. And 
isn't that something? I think most of what we do is just going, wow, isn't that something yeah. that we're all so sad and so angry and, and yet here we are breathing together for this moment, you know, and I have mixed feeling. I used to never put anything on the internet. I felt, Oh yeah. I felt, um, well, I think I felt self-protective. I felt scared that the internet would be mean to me or, mm -hmm. you know, there's that and that can happen. Mm -hmm. Um, but also I didn't know what it meant to film what for me is often in a, in a ritual practice and let them see my face that way up close. Let me, let them see um, when I'm really shouting in my grief, what that does, what is that in an iPhone? You know, mm. I'm still learning Mm -hmm. how that feels for me and learning how to protect myself within that. It's, it's not something I understand yet, mm -hmm. but I did as so many of us did in the beginning of the pandemic and the great racial awakening that happened during that time. It felt like I, it was worth the gamble. Like I was freaking, we were dying yeah. and it was time to try. And I'm mm -hmm. glad that I did. Me too. But I also need to make things that I make a lot of things that no humans ever see, you yeah. know, things that are meant to dissolve into the world and aren't for people even. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like you would very naturally be someone. I, I imagine you kind of writhing on a floor somewhere and sometime just <laughs> like, <laughs> like you said, like yelling, but bursting into song you know, and, yeah. and getting it out in that way that for me and the way I know your music is profoundly beautiful and it, your voice is incredible, you know, and how you express yourself in that way. But to be doing that for yourself feels essential to the ways you're connecting it to other community. You know, it's like that it has to be worth your own like version of medicine or creative expression, you know, for it to ever have meaning somehow translatable into a, a video on Facebook or even like the concert space. Um, and so I really sense that about you. I did especially want to like highlight that you must regularly just burst into song all of a sudden. <laughs> I mean, is that fair? <laughs> Is that a fair assessment? I, I'm a singer. That's uh -huh. my nature yeah. for sure. That was always going to be I don't know so. that all singers do that though. I just no. feel like with you, I, I don't know why I've just got hung up on that image, but just imagining you in <laughs> heartbreak, maybe especially yeah. crying and writhing over like hurt. And then I, th and I'm really, for some reason, keep connecting to another interview you did, if we can call it that. I don't love the word, but another conversation you had for a podcast where you're, it was about the cracking, you know, your voice cracking, like let it crack, like needing right. that crack and you That's being right. in the world in that way, even in private. That's, that is the truth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, and essentially in private, mm -hmm. essentially in private first mm -hmm. and then in first, relationship yeah. to divinity and then in relationship to my family and then in relationship to community, you know, but I feel like, um, yeah, first, first alone mm -hmm. and then in the collective, um, almost all of the time. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but what's amazing is that when we're in community, we have something to break into, right? That I feel like I'm in a perpetual and have maybe always been in a state of breaking. I think this is part of my nature to be mm. um, breaking open uh, over and over and be feel break, broken open by my life and by the world. And breaking meaning breaking like dawn, you know, breaking can be um, breaking towards life. Mm-hmm. But when we break in the collective, when we let ourselves do that and have a safety to do that, like in the spaces that you make, that you're talking about, there's a basket to hold you, right? And I do actually think that we think more about, we say even to people, well, take time to grieve, you know, like if Maybe we don't say that often, but we might. No, yeah, I've you heard go, it. You yeah, you go. Boot, you go over there and, and you feel all that mm-hmm. and you come back when you're ready to lace up your boots, you know? That's right. Yeah. Rather than saying, oh, come, come here and grieve. Mm-hmm. Come here and break into this vessel that I'll make for you. And if one person can't make that alone, you know, but let's, let's have a moment of collective where you can break and we can hold that for you. And then everything that comes out, it's not going to be held by the people. It's going to go into the earth. It's going to go into the air. It's going to go where it's meant to go. It's going to get recycled. It's going to get remade beautifully into the poem of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes you do need holding around you to be able to do that safely and someone makes sure that you don't hit your head on a rock and someone brings you water and someone, (laughs) then someone brings you your iPhone when you need a break. Yeah. That room to fall apart, to collapse, That's right. to be like in the mess of it, you know? That's right. And I, I, lo- I love say, the tenderness of that, that the like, don't hit your head over here. I'm going to put a hand there. I'm not even going to stop you from slapping no. about, you know, like, but That's I'm going right. to put like a pit pillow between you and this hard place. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah, That's that's right. I mean, our toddlers know how to do it. Mm-hmm. Our babies know how to do it. You know, mm-hmm. they come, they have so much wisdom around falling apart Yeah, and we are so embarrassed that they do, you know, and I, I think whenever we're embarrassed of something so intimate, there is, I feel like sometimes there's a, of course, there's a feeling of what you're afraid of in yourself, you know, and sometimes even a kind of envy, you know, like, oh, oh you yeah. shouldn't do that. You shouldn't That's do good. that. We've yeah. all decided we can't, we don't do that. Yeah. Or the rage, you know, just... The other day, there was this video of some guy on an airplane raging because this baby was weeping. And the thing I kept thinking, I mean, I thought, come on, man. But I also <laughs> thought, you know, you were once yeah, a baby dude. and you yeah, will exactly. once be dead. You know, And, and <laughs> someone got mad at you. That's what I thought. I thought this man mm. needs to weep. Mm-hmm. Oh no, this man needs to weep. How long has it been since this man oh, wept? Oh my gosh. How long the has anger it been? is the thing he's figured out is like somehow That's the right. acceptable way of getting the emotion out. Right? That's right. That's right. And and the outrage, we don't do that. We don't mm-hmm. do that here. When I think we're all perpetually doing it with a big hard shell around it. Mm-hmm. And when and we need that. But when others help us create a space of safety, then we can let that release. And, yeah. 
And in singing, I do think we can practice that in a safe way, even when we're alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we can let, make the sound of it. We can remember how to make that sound that was a birthright that we came in with. The first thing we right did. Away. Yeah, that's right. right. We know how. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to come home to that and to feel at home in the broken places. Because mm-hmm. you are, you're invited. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, here we are. Yeah. <laughs> Shattered, laughing, doing uh-huh. great. Totally, doing <laughs> great. Yeah, doing great. Alive, surely uh-huh. alive. Mm-hmm. Well, I wonder for you, Abigail. You said you just briefly noted this that too young, maybe there was things forcing you to break open and fall apart. Yeah. Maybe. Um, so it's both like acknowledging the need, the healthy need for that in ourselves, but also it seems like you're addressing something in your life story that maybe came too soon. And and I don't, I just like, I don't even relate to that because there's a part of me, you know, I didn't lose my parent when I was a kid, but losing her at 26 is a pretty, you know, young time That's to lose. Young. Yeah. And there's is a way I feel about time? Hanan- I don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Too soon on time late. You know, I mean, there's always the inclination to think, boy, when, if my mom were to die when she was 90, I don't know. See, then you start getting into, well, how much grief it is to like have someone get so old and, and be in that part of life and then have all that time shared and then lose them, you know? I the comparison of 80 years to 26, you know, like it never helps us. All grief. Um, the, the grief contest never, yeah. <laughs> never works. You no. know, we all lose. <laughs> no, you're right. We all lose eventually. <laughs> and something, ha- stuff happened to you. And, and I feel like I have my version of it that had you, has you in the world now, maybe too. That's the part of me that thinks about when I don't, when I skip past the, it's not fair or it was too soon or I was too young. Um, there's the, well, this, this way you are here, Abigail, is because that stuff came for you so early, right? Do you relate to that? And I by the way, I'm, we're not saying explicitly what these things are. So I want to be fair to, yeah, like, I, might need to articulate that. Um, but where do you want to go with this right now? Yeah. I feel like absolutely. I, am who I am because of how I was hurt and because of how my mother was hurt and because of how her mother was hurt and all this trauma and layers and layers of it. But I also am who I am because of how I was held, you know, and um, the song that was sung into my ear in the nighttime, you know. Um, (laughs) So I feel like And maybe, you know what, maybe we would have been just as beautiful and sad if everything had gone officially right. You're right. But (laughs) because I think, I think that there is an original grief that is the truth of the world. I mean, just look at how the world works. We all have to eat each other to live. Mm -hmm. Things have to die for us to live. Mm -hmm. So just, I mean... It's built in. It's built in. in. I think Mm -hmm. so. I think, yes, there's trauma, but I'm what I'm feeling right now. And I don't mean to 
Yes, that's not an offhand thing. That's deep. But mm-hmm. also, I think any person can be struck by the grief of what it means to be a living being on this planet. Um, even when things are going exactly as they're meant to go, because we are meant to die. That's not a, we know that it's not a mistake or an accident or something going wrong. Mm -hmm. Even if it happens in a way that isn't what we might've chosen for our loved ones. Um, it's still supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. And we, I think are meant to, I think our job on the planet, maybe, maybe we have a few, I think one of our big jobs is to be meaning makers around this original truth that life only comes from death. Mm-hmm. That that's just gonna be true. And, mm-hmm. and we are supposed to rail against it and we're supposed to be angry and we're supposed to be confused. We're supposed to be all of those things because all of that goes into the poem of who we are and what the world is. Mm. And it's so extravagantly complicated and beautiful and it's meant to be, <laughs> it's yeah. meant to be, yeah. you know, I, I wish that every bad thing that ever happened to me or ever happened to you, if I could take it away, I would. Yeah. Okay. I'm not one of those who says, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, the good, good thing we went through that terrible thing because I got so strong. I'm not mm-hmm. sure that's true mm. for me. I, if I could undo what hurt you, Ned, and what mm-hmm. hurt me, I'd snap my fingers, baby. And yeah. I'd put you on a plush couch mm-hmm. with everyone you love yeah. having a good day. I would. Mm-hmm. And even then, <laughs> You know, we'd be weeping together. Mm-hmm. You know, we would at mm-hmm. the beauty and at the truth that we're all ending all the time. Mm-hmm. And that what that which we love has to die and in fact dies to keep us alive. Mm-hmm. Oof. Mm. Yeah, I, I know <laughs> when you say all that between you and I, <laughs> there's something I connect to that's just the familiarity with our arriving here, even just as we started to talk, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> so it's like, it feels really true. <laughs> Maybe if there's some way of saying especially true right now, it feels, feels that right now. And there's a way I'll say sometimes you know, especially when someone maybe comes into a grief, one of our grief workshops, you know, they're there because of a loss. It's like, you know, I'm so sorry. I wish this had never happened. And I'm so glad you're here. You know, like yes. it's both at the same time. And, and in that <sighs> is the, well, yeah, I, I get generally what you're saying is that you and I would likely cry together. And <laughs> because there's, cause it's, it's inherent in our existence is if we really are in, in in honest relationship with being alive, it's it's there, right? Yeah. And there's so much about engaging in this like communal grief reality, being in what's heartbroken and making room for people in it that that has the element of our chance to be together is because this thing that we would take away if we could uh happened. You know, like part of how we're brought together sometimes is because of these things that we wish never occurred, (laughs) you know? Well, honey, Um, I'm really, I mean, when you say that, it's like, 
So Sean and I, the first time Sean and I got pregnant, I got pregnant and Sean was helped. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I know how it works. <laughs> Is that this podcast? But there's some, some listeners, for any listeners, yeah, this is it how. It was me. I got pregnant. <laughs> yeah. And when I got pregnant, I felt like, um, like this baby that I became pregnant with was going to be the meaning, was going to, all the shit I'd already gone through, that this was like the meaning fruit, you know, like I was going to have this baby and I was going to start this new family. I was going to start over and tell a new story to this little one. And, and I loved this baby. And then I had, I lost this baby and I felt totally betrayed. I felt totally betrayed and I felt like outside of my story, like I had been knocked from my destiny or something like, um, like I was in the wrong movie (laughs) Mm. and, uh, and I stayed there a long time and I was angry a long time and I felt empty a long time. I didn't get it. And I will always remember that feeling, that feeling so that when people come to me in their moment like that, I yeah. don't say, well, <laughs> it all, <laughs> well, oh, you know, it's gosh. all for the best. It's all, it's better now. But it, you know? fed, you, but it fed you know? your life. It's feeding your life. Right, right, right. Like I don't, I say, oh no, oh no. That's, I'm so sorry that mm. you're knocked from your life, that you feel that God betrayed you that day. That's how it felt. And, and the truth is, that that was the beginning of me becoming a mother. Mm-hmm. That's how I became a parent was through this death. And it just like falling in love with Sean to do that. I had to trade my immortality. I had to say, I had to look at, I'm going to die and I'm going to mm. love someone who's going to die. Right. That's an old mythological trade. Love uh-huh. for death. That's right. And we made that bargain. Right. Mm-hmm. And then to become a mother. Oh my gosh. Yeah. To become a mother meant um, loving across the death line. Mm-hmm. It meant um, actually looking at the truth that I have no control, that I have infinite love and zero control. That's yeah. <laughs> what I say yeah. to myself. <laughs> infinite love, zero control. This uh-huh. is what it means to be a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And what I found out later through my having my first baby who was a NICU baby and who we almost lost, but we did not lose. Who's six years old mm-hmm. playing uh, on his switch as we speak. Yes. Hell yes. Um, <laughs> and then having another miscarriage that also broke me apart. Mm-hmm. But. Oh my gosh. I got to keep what I learned. The thing that gave me the thing that's true for me is that I got to keep all the love. Mm-hmm. I, that's mine. Mm-hmm. 
I, all four times I've been pregnant because we have a fourth, another baby now. The love I made was real. It was real and it was made briefly, but deeply. And just as surely as their cells are still circulating in my body, my love for them remains and remains. And the truth of that, and you know what form it takes a lot of the time is grief. That's how I feel my love mm-hmm. is with an ache. But it, even that ache has a shout of hallelujah inside of it because I got to love them. Really, and those two that I lost, especially the first one who I lost, it was a very difficult loss. Um, both of them. I was the only one really who got to love them that way. And maybe this is, I know, I know that um, miscarriage and child loss is, is not talked about very much. And I know why it's very hard. It's really hard. And, and talking about their lives can, I think some people even feel it's kind of macabre to talk about, but but I have to talk about it because it's true for me. It's true. Um, and if I don't talk about it, then they're dead again. You know oh, what yeah, I mean? I do. <laughs> so. Oh my goodness. Yeah. What a I way remember. to put it. Mm-hmm. I remember. And I am so grateful for them and for my babies that I get to hold in my arms. Mm-hmm. What a, what a, delight what a messy mess of a happy delight mm-hmm. it is to have these children <laughs> yeah i mean i oh thank you for all that the way you put things so well that so resonate but i'm i'm just really wanting to return to what you said a friend of mine recently a dear friend who is wanting to have kids but also understandably unsure about that endeavor oh, yeah it's a nightmare don't do it <laughs> the worst thing that's ever happened to me and the best thing that's ever happened to me that's um right. and i tell him as much i tell people like listen you not having kids is completely understandable so i want to make plenty of space oh, yeah. for you deciding not to amen and um and it is like the most one of the most important things, and I'll say that one of the most important things I, uh, I've ever done and, and most beautiful things. And, um, my, the most I learned probably is from, from this, but when I'm talking to her, something that really connected to what you shared is the, like you feeling this unsure, you feeling this scared and terrified of it, you wanting to like, talk to, to start figuring out like what you're going to do, like meaningfully is the beginning of, of you being like an incredible mother. Yes. And you saying that to, for this baby that taught you that first. That's right. Oh my gosh. I thought it meant I was not a mother. I thought Mm. it meant in the moment Mm -hmm. that I was a lemon, you know, Uh, that my body wasn't supposed to do it. And there was something wrong with me. I was sure of it. Mm. And um, that is part of being a parent Mm -hmm. is the truth that you are (laughs) (laughs) ill-equipped. You are. I don't know any parent who goes, 
I'm nailing it. <laughs> yeah. Wow. No way. You know, not me. Not me. It, no. Yeah. I, I, even on my best day, mm-hmm. even on my best day. And, and that's not because I'm trying to make a perfect thing. It's because um, they are so beautiful that I want to show up so beautifully and deeply for them. And I need to wipe their butts and make dinner and, you know, figure out life. And that is the deepest, hardest thing I've ever done, you know, is navigate that. But Mm -hmm. no, the people I worry about are my beloveds who say they are ready. And then I call them like, like three weeks after the baby comes to (laughs) them one way or the other, however they made their baby came and go like, so (laughs) are you okay? Are you ready now? They're not okay. Right. (laughs) They're not okay. It's 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 a ego death Mm -hmm. becoming a parent, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. something has to be let go of. Oh my gosh. Over and over again. So many things, (laughs) so many things. And I, you know, I, I, I really don't mean to you know, saying it's the worst thing that ever happened to me. I mean, it's just hard, you know? And, and anyway, so that, that I'm so oh, glad, no. I'm so glad we arrived to that piece. Cause I, cause I know you'd mentioned maybe wanting to talk about it um, today. And I think, you know, to connect it to why you brought it up originally, you know, when I asked you to fill out the form for what we might cover in our conversation, <laughs> you addressed it as like, what I think you even just also acknowledged is these are, kinds of deaths we don't probably make good time for as, as readily and, and how needed it is to talk about. I think, obviously I believe in, we need to talk more about our dead. We, you know, so many things you've shared, like the reason why and making room for grief and, and like the, the kind of uh, normal death to talk about though, (laughs) you know, that while we do need more room for that, there's other versions of loss that, are just so hard to like find space, especially with community, you know, to, to, to engage with and, and find a place to remember you're not alone and, um, to find healing and the medicine of connecting and that kind of loss. And so I'm so glad you just have been going everywhere I wanted to go. And I wanted to check in as we're kind of in our last probably 10 or 15 (gasps) minutes, I bet. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh, I feel like we could just talk for hours, but I really want to say to you what I said to Bio, um, Bio Kamalafe. I don't, I'm not sure if you know him um, and his work, but oh my gosh, I told him at the end, I was like, I just feel like I could talk to you for eternity and everything is so complete. Yeah, I feel that too. (laughs) You know? I feel like if we had just laughed and cried at each other for that first five minutes. That would say it all, though. That's, You're that's right. a pretty eloquent. You're that's right. the truth. That's how I feel. And that's I'm it. Laughing and crying. That's it. That's, right. that's who I want to spend time with in my life, by the way. And I make time for whoever, you know, hopefully cross my path and to be the kind of person to open to it. And I yes. think what I'm feeling with you, again, for the eighth time trying to articulate this, it is the I want to be with the people who laugh and cry hysterically, you know, in, 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 yeah, that's it. I think that's the end of the sense. <laughs> that's a full stop. Um, and yes, maybe we'll release like a special uh, 
special version of this episode minus any talking it's just us making noises and crying and laughing <laughs> um, that'll be available on patreon everybody oh um that's my music yeah exactly <laughs> that's exactly that's your music um i want to check in uh, as we as we feel complete and and the enoughness of our time um your email, your your last email to me is. It, I can tell even now, like this might be sort of a unnatural leap suddenly to have this at the end of. But I also care deeply about you more than I did before I got to talk to you, and now we're friends. And so I just I, right. I want to acknowledge that email at least, and just say, you know, this recent loss with this father figure and um, the complications <laughs> of that relationship and the estrange being estranged, and then losing a person in, in the context of having lost them already in a way. I wanted to tell you that that was, I just, someone that was really important to me just died like five days ago, I think, although time moves funny when this is happening. And, and he, he hasn't spoken to me in about five years. And, um, it's because of, well, there's deep family history, like I spoke about. There's a lot, but I also, um, I wrote about it. I sang about it. I wrote about it. I'm a memoirist. That's mm -hmm. one of the forms my work takes, you mm -hmm. could call it. Mm -hmm. And I think that was too much and too scary. And, and, um, and so he cut off with me. A few people did. Most of my family. Oh, can I just be clear with you real quick? Actually, for me. Yeah. Um, what you're describing is like the play and your work and your creative output around this stuff yes. that your family lived through and that all this yes. community was affected by. I know that your play with Sean is a, a, a lot of it is about this, I think. Is that yes. right? Yeah, one of them is. Yes. Okay. And he and this person couldn't be with that. And, and that's part no. of how the, I see. Mm -hmm. That's a, yes, that's right. That's right. And, and, um, we were already pretty broken apart, but the talking about it, the talking about it ended up being the end of it. And I wanted to tell you because because it, I knew it would be with me and he's with me mm -hmm, today. Mm -hmm. And because the same, when I went through miscarriages, I looked for, I really wanted to find art about it. I wanted to mm -hmm. find somebody talking about it. I felt so alone in it for a while. And we've made now a bunch of art about it. You yeah. know? I just, just can't shut up about <laughs> it. And, um, uh, and other people's experience. Mm. And, you know, I, and so I want, I, it's so new. I haven't, I haven't, um, mm. the song of it maybe is just beginning, but mm. I wanted to say out loud that, that sometimes we lose people and I won't go to the funeral and I won't, you know, that, and we didn't resolve it in this lifetime. Yeah. But I also want to say that when he died, I felt his love so clearly. I just felt loved. I felt like his love for me and my love for him uh -huh. met for a moment. And 
all the shit and all the mistakes and all the fear and all the need and desperation and disappointment and that died Mm -hmm. that died Mm -hmm. and I think that he I don't know where he is I don't know what he's becoming I don't know what he wanted to become Mm -hmm. or what he believed Mm -hmm. at the end of his life but I know that I believe in our love Mm -hmm. and I feel it I feel it with me and I feel it in the world Mm -hmm. and I feel it as a gift to the world. Mm -hmm. Our love in this horizon beyond relationship and then beyond death. I believe in it. So I think I wanted to say that to you Mm -hmm. because I knew you'd (laughs) hold me in that. Mm -hmm. And also because there are these deaths that I feel like, like, I don't even know what to call him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't my biological dad, you know? So how do you, it's so tricky yeah. <laughs> to talk about it um, and honor it. And I hope that me doing it, I hope other people will, will just not shut up mm-hmm. about the beautiful truth mm-hmm. of what they love. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Abigail. Oh my God. Oh my God. This was wild. Wow. Can I, I say, you? oh my gosh, I love you so much. <laughs> Can I? Is it too soon? No, it's not. <laughs> I mean, partly that's what I want in life. And this is the kind of like, you know, I've said this 30 ways. So no, it's not too soon. And I'm so glad to meet you in this way and to, or to, or to return to you or to, you know, yeah. whatever it is that I'm feeling. I want to say that you're like, um, thank God for your meaning making in this life <laughs> that you could be so skilled and quick and, and, and driven, maybe ravenous then is the word to, to get to it, that you would already for this person see the transformation that we talked about earlier, the like, you know, it's, it's perfect that you don't know what to call him. Cause even more than ever, it's, it doesn't matter, you know? Hey, oh, mm-hmm. wow. Oh, thank you for that. Oh, wow. And feeling this, the coin, you know, like the, the estrangement and the, the upset and the anger and the alienation and all that as definitively the other side of love. there's no separation and that this time ahead will bring (laughs) the other side of the coin like you wish and want. And um, that's, that's a prayer, but it's also like a certainty, (laughs) you know, because of who you are and how you're alive. So thank you.
end of that conversation. Holy crap. So good. So good. Such good music. If you want to get more of that, almost feeling like the music has a spontaneity to it often. I feel like they improv some of their music, some of their tracks, a lot of their tracks. Um, definitely go check out the Bengtsons music. But boy, what a beautiful, beautiful conversation. Uh, can I say I cried more than ever? Can I say it's my new favorite? Uh, thank you so much, Abigail, for saying yes to being on the show. What a treat. Nick Jaina, how are you today? You ever feel like you're in the multiverse? <laughs> you guys, just full disclosure, I just recorded like 30 different maybe endings and Nick just sat quietly through everything as I tried to figure out all the things maybe that would work and be needed for the episode. Yeah, I know what it's like and boy, that that was so good of you to be patient with me. It's very well, now, it's very <laughs> current storytelling style mm -hmm. to just mm. have everything. <laughs> yeah, simultaneously. Mm-hmm. Nick, um, inspired by this conversation with Abigail, I have one thing I'd like to talk to you about. Spider-Man? Um, no. It's about this experience in life that I just cherish so much, and I feel like You're Going to Die has offered me many versions of it, but it's that feeling of meeting someone and falling in love with them very immediately, and also the familiarity that you sense when you meet that person like they've been a friend of yours forever and i probably could list some of the people i know through you that might represent that version of meeting um how does this land in in the conversation of mortality i think it's just like this thing is so mysterious i've been feeling lately inspired by some of rachel naomi raymond's words about how we can treat even the facilitation i do and the grief work i do as a a big question mark, like being in the sacred mystery of it all, the holiness of how we tend to the moment and knowing like the people I meet, the spirits that I meet in this lifetime are such a profound version of that, like sacred, holy wonder, that awe inspiring, like mouth open wide, like, holy crap, like this is incredible and worthwhile. I feel like that's part of what I got talking with Abigail. And I wanted to see if you relate to that experience when you, met certain people in your life absolutely and the flip side of that is when that doesn't happen and can that also feel as holy and necessary mm -hmm. you know the the flip side of the coin of like wait the magic isn't happening and um this isn't like taking off and going super deep and going in a million different directions and was that something you the multiverse. <laughs> yeah, is that something you think about that's great i love that well you um, and i talk about this in our different ceremonies and things that we do mm -hmm. of just like oh that was good and that was like there was nothing wrong with what happened but like it didn't open up this magical portal and, and did me, i do something right? wrong yeah mm -hmm. but like mutually i think you know well we talk about too that we we assume when i when i had the me we've talked about that where it's like we can't assume that it's mutual we we feel yeah. like in comparison to how many times we've done the like heart cracking creative like connecting you know spontaneous moment uh performatively all those things like in comparison to the amount of times we've done that and felt the oh my gosh this is holy and sacred and connecting we don't realize you know maybe it's a version of that for the person but it's not the same for us but what you're i think getting at is well how is it still that even if we're not feeling it that way 
And I was joking about the multiverse, but I did see Spider-Man the other day. And I am thinking about this new modern storytelling style of multiverse storytelling where it acknowledges that people have different realities and you can't necessarily judge someone by how they're experiencing or receiving something in one moment because they might have this completely different reality that goes into what they're experiencing. Mm. And and you just don't know. Like you, you literally can't see it or experience it. It's a different dimension. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's what's uh, encouraging that type of storytelling to happen, but that's what I get about it, get mm-hmm. out of it when I'm watching that is this feels like the experience of, you know, being just super sensitive artist and feeling all these different things and having a whole lifetime pass before my eyes in one half second and other people not experiencing that and getting that. And I feel a million miles away and closer to people that are missing or dead or gone than to the person in front of me. And that reality is, it's comforting to see depicted in modern storytelling Mm. of, um, we're all experiencing different levels of things at different times. And I don't Mm -hmm. think it's a mod. Well, I don't know. I don't think it's a modern experience. I just think storytelling because of technology is allowing us to explore that in ways that you couldn't put on screen 20 years ago. But it, it taps into, I think a really human thing of, uh, how, how am I not connected to this and I'm connected to something else and like, it feels so real, but it feels so off, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, I would say connecting the like, I'm in awe of Abigail and that time we shared talking to the like, I'm in awe that I don't understand, that, that I know there's something occurring here that is that is a big question for me. It's new. It's a perspective that's not familiar. And I could learn from it or expand in it, um, in these like limitless possibilities, how easily we get confined to like our little showroom walking around existence in, on this planet when there's potential to have ourselves like bent out of that reality because of a version of what I think you're getting at and how creativity, especially maybe cinema lately is offering a chance for that too. And maybe, like you said, it's been around, you know, I'm thinking of, of other authors and creatives in, in, in history who have played with that. But uh, I think maybe especially cinematically, it's a trippy new realm that in the last five or 10 years there, especially in the Marvel universe, um, we've like dipped into a bit, you know, more, um, these ulterior planets, these, these, this idea that there has to be another, uh, planet like earth with someone just like me, but living just like a fraction of a different existence. And that everything is canon. I was explaining to Otis, my stepson yesterday, what it means to have something be in the canon or out of Mm. the canon. Um, meaning like stories, uh, that might be from a different edition or version of something that, usually would say like, well, that doesn't count. Like that's not part of this history, you know? And this new storytelling realm is saying everything counts. Every, mm-hmm. Everything that has ever been depicted, for example, Spider-Man, mm-hmm. <laughs> every version is real and everything counts and everything he's ever experienced and every villain matters. And there is something really comforting about that feeling of it all matters, you know? And I think that's, again, something that's very human even as it's emerging out of technology and this super ultra postmodern storytelling, I think it's very human to feel like everything that's ever happened to me matters and Mm. contributes to 
who I am, even oh, if nobody yeah. witnessed it or nobody mm-hmm. acknowledges it or somebody actively represses it or denies mm-hmm. it, yeah. it all matters, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I, so my next question to peel this off of Spider-Man and the Marvel, because <laughs> they're not <laughs> sponsoring our podcast. <laughs> um, what are you inspired creatively in your writing? Do you have like a percolating book idea or some fresh endeavor you know, with your creativity that this is inspiring right now for you? Well, I'm really interested in after a book that deals with ancestry and grief and, and connectivity and loss and doing a lot of performances that deal with that. Mm -hmm. I really want to deal with something whose objective is joy and humor and levity. And I was having a conversation with a friend recently of like, how do you just decide to be funny with something? And I was saying, I think it's an attitude. I think it's an optimism, like an energy level. It's not dependent on the subject matter. You could talk about climate change. You could talk about death and decide, I'm going to make this joyous and bubbly and funny. And not in a disrespectful way, but just the lens is going to be, this is funny. Even if it's like, we're all fucked and life is so crazy and sad, you know? There's a way that you can go deeper into something and make it funny. And so I've just been thinking of experiences when something pops up in my memory of like, oh, I want to write that story. I think immediately now, what would be the humorous lens on that? Mm. And how would I show that from a humorous lens rather than a tendency with memoir sometimes often is to be sinking into like a self uh, absorption and like a sadness, you know, Mm. of like, oh, this happened to me. And it's, I'm not putting that down. No, I, just, I get it. I've it's done that. And I just thinking like, can you just flip the polarity and say like, okay, what's the humorous mm, standpoint, yeah. which, you know, a lot of standups and uh, comedy writers do that immediately. Even if it's like this horrible thing is happening in the world, but we got to find a way to laugh at it. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm trying yeah. to think of how to switch my wiring to, to look at it, things like that. Are you, are you feeling the like healthy need for it too? not even as a creative compulsion, but just you kind of, I mean, seems to me you'd be wanting to relate to reality in general more that way. And to have experiences with groups, you know, when the, that project comes out and I do performances Mm -hmm. uh, as much as great as it's been to connect with people over grief and like Mm -hmm. that magic, Mm -hmm. I would, I want to be like exiting the room, having laughed a bunch and have sore, (laughs) sore stomach muscles and just have that, you know, like permanent grin on your face. Like, yeah, I want that experience. And I, I think we've all gone through this, uh, period of thinking, well, that's not possible again. Like things are too bleak. Things are too sad. And then coming Mm -hmm. around to like, no, we need that. Like, (laughs) yeah, we gotta, I gotta have more of that. You know, like where did comedy movies go? Where did, where did laughter go? It seems like every alum from Saturday Night Live is making some super serious, sad <laughs> show. Even like Ted Lasso turned into this like drama. It's like, mm-hmm. why is it so hard to maintain that levity and comedy? You know? Yeah. Um, I, but I think it's important to keep trying and reasserting. This is what I want to do. Yeah, that's great. I, I'm feeling that. I'm feeling like honoring people who are grieving lately too by reminding them that it's the flip side of a coin. And I think you might've given me this, but like the coin is not a chance. It's not a flip a coin and see what you get. It's a, that they're bound together, that they're, yeah. they're, they're soldered. They're like melted. They're, they're two parts and acknowledging the griever for having the part of them that's in love with being alive. Yeah. In love with, even if it's someone they lost, 
to have, it's like Abigail talks about it, the immediacy of knowing Sean was waiting for her as a partner and getting the joy and feeling the life and the family waiting to be built between them together and the like loss of him and feeling too then like you have helped put more words um, to right now, the inclination, like when I go to my, see my cancer patients today, I've thought like, I do want to listen to Lizzo and uh, some upbeat pop music and feel like I'm drawing something forth that I need to go into those rooms with in opposition to thinking I need to listen, be quiet or listen to a bunch of sad songs to get myself prepped and ready to be cracked open and raw, that there's yeah. joy waiting for me in some of these rooms today. And that, that it really literally could be like tapping into the one universe out there emotionally <laughs> part of the multiverse, but that one universe where I go to the hospital and that's what happens today. So and we can call that shadow work, you know, the shadow mm. of a shadow can be something sunny and joyous, you know, yeah, it doesn't yeah. mean that we have to like crawl through all the tears all the time. Mm -hmm. That's what I've been thinking is the reaction to all of this grief and sadness can also be like, okay, now let's point to, to the light, you know? Mm. Yeah. Great. Thanks, Nick. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks so much. Thank you, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. One more big thanks to Abigail. What a, what a treat. What a special, special time we shared. I hope you all enjoyed this episode as much as we enjoyed putting it out for you. Until next time, 